Well, good evening, free people. It is another episode of The Eight Black Hands, and we're going to do it the way that we have always been doing it, and we've been doing it the last couple of weeks, is back to our roots, just four brothers talking, not a whole bunch of fluff and segments and all kinds of other stuff going on, jumping through hoops and checking in with everybody. How you doing? I don't know how you doing. No, 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 no. This is back to the roots. I will start by saying, how are y'all doing? But this ain't for some big kind of like, like you know, don't get so crazy and deep like we we do all the time. Like, so I said all that just to say, how you doing? Check in. Check in to say, let's check in. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Y'all y'all sane as black men in this world? You know, did you have a week where you uh, we checked in last week so we know how everybody was feeling? So between then and now, has anything changed to make you better off or, or less well? Look, today's the first day of spring. There you got, go. It's Philly tradition. Got some water ice. Had a good time with some friends. Um, finally home after some traveling. We are going to find out who our new next superintendent is in Philadelphia. So all that. So it's been a very interesting week, you know, to say the least. Sharif, you're not going to. I'm surprised Ray didn't catch this. You're not going to get through this. I caught it. I caught it. Okay. I was watching it myself. Well, look, in, in the back, you know, look, my daughters did my hair. This morning, <laughs> she said, "I'm giving you pom poms." Look, I went them. out today. We went out today. You know, went to got water ice, had dinner with a friend. This was all like wow. from this morning. And I was like, "Can I take it out?" She's like, "Were you embarrassed about how I did your house?" Like, no, I'm not embarrassed at all, honey. Like, whatever, you know, I'm rocking this joint. Hey, I mean, if if she really want to do that, you know, they got like, I'll I'll, I'll buy one. They they got the hands no, that no, you can practice on. Oh, she, she practiced on her dolls and then me. Like that that is the practice. I am the practice. What are you talking I'm just saying about? you can get it, you can get it like a, a 4C head with 4C hair or something like that and let her, you know, go crazy with it. Yeah, she's good. Ray is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, no, he, he let his daughter do the same thing. She was coloring Bro, on his head. Like, you know, he just erases it before he gets on the show. I saw it. Bro, he, he, he yeah, you know who you look like tonight, Hey, dude out here looking like a Florida rapper. He like Tyrone Biggums. He's like a crackhead right now, but it's all he's looking like he's looking like Kizzy gonna come any second now. He asking me, he's um, like, you about to ask me if he can pump my gas real yeah, quick. That's what it looks like. Some bars. That's what that's what it is. I mean, got the grimy uh, look. You know what I'm saying? I all right, you. color You're purple. So uh 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 Charles, how you doing? Right, unfold your arms, man. Be more I'm receptive, good, man. be more receptive. I'm good, man. Same old, same old over here. Uh, you know, trying to stay out these Twitter streets. I know that everybody is uh up in arms and everything is crazy and all that stuff, man. I'm 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 watching bad TV and enjoying it. I'm watching the stuff around Theranos and the stuff around WeWork, and I'm in I'm Thanos? enjoying I'm enjoying the conversation there. So I don't know what y'all arguing about in the education space right now. I'm 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 good. They got a new Thanos, Joe. It's Theranos. Theranos. It's the uh, Theranos. it's the Elizabeth Holmes chick. And actually, it was it was she was supposed to be able to take one drop of blood and do all these tests, and, and and it was a fraud. And there's a series, and the series is actually pretty good. But uh, and, and I just want to say I haven't watched the series, Charles, but maybe you can confirm the series is straight up about white privilege, because yeah. you have a young person who's uneducated who said, "Yeah, um, see what I do is I take this drop of blood, and then uh, yeah, like uh, I put it through a magic process that I can't tell you what's involved in the process whatsoever." Uh, and then it tells you all this stuff, and people are like, "Yeah, that sounds good. Let me give you millions." I mean, millions it does. Millions I mean, listen. So, so, you know. like I said, you know, I don't get to talk about that 
the other side of the work that I do, because it's just we just can't talk about it as freely as you can in education. But if that thing really worked, I mean, it would be world changing. Let's be clear. Like, but yes, nobody was checking. The privilege was nobody was checking her work. Nobody was like holding her to account and all that stuff. And it and, you know, it was that it's much more dangerous than the WeWork stuff. WeWork is still up and thriving. That dude left with a Billy like this woman got her stuff in Safeways and, and in Wal- and in Walgreens like. And for black people, it would have been a game changer, right? Like, if think about if Big Mama ain't got to go get pricked for all these tests and you can do something without a prick and get all these tests back. I mean, it would have been game changing. So it's, hers is much, much more dangerous than the WeWork stuff. Yeah, it would have been game changing. Like, like carefree cake. That would be game changing too. If I can make <laughs> me some cake that's carefree, yeah. that, that would be game changing too. Ray, Ray Q. I don't know what Ray Q means, but okay. It's not for, uh, hey, it's not it's not yeah. for you. It's not for okay, you tonight. All right. right? Okay, it, good. It, all the right. people that are supposed to know will okay. know, man. Okay, hey, Q and Society, bro. I, I know yeah. I know Society, what this is going, I know what this is going to do, right? This What's is going this to do? open up a conversation for folks that are not privy to the conversation. So here's what this means. Okay. It means that if you didn't go to a four-year institution and you didn't pledge. Uh, a divine non fraternity or sorority, shut the hell up. You ain't got nothing to say. You didn't do it. That's it. I thought it was all that too. outside chatter and all this <laughs> stuff that y'all do to humiliate yourselves and whatnot, man. Stop doing that shit, man. Let's get into the show. Let's do did, it. Did something happen on, on in Twitter land? Like I got no idea what he's talking about. It, it, it sounds like some talented tenth defensiveness to me, but I, I never can understand them folks. So you know, good for them. Like whatever. Uh, they must have brunch today. Today must have been brunch day. Um, I, I thought it was like QAnon, bro. I thought she was like being Ray Q, like you are the Q and you're the Oracle. And what you say, there's some black QAnon people. Who are looking for Ray Q. That's what I thought it was, was like Ray Q. But anyways, <laughs> listen, I'm glad everybody's alive and in good spirits and we're back together again. I think his arms going to be folded so, the, whole, so. the whole show. You know, because that, you know, psychology, that means like I am not receptive to any of what you're saying. Yeah. So the, like bo- that, the body language experts hey. that come on CNN. <laughs> That's that's very true. If you were if you were evaluating a teacher and she was in your office and you were talking to her and she was sitting like that, Ray, you would probably be taking from her like or him. Let me not be sexist or him. You would be saying you're not very receptive to my to my feedback. Are you depends on the conversation? Okay. All right. Well, if you if you're not unionized, it would matter anyways. Like, you know, like you say go. <laughs> so, which rolls us right into tonight's conversation. Um, that was good. Listen, I'm asking y'all this week to help me talk about whether or not strikes are good. Teacher strikes specifically are good for kids in the end. I think the conventional wisdom is that teachers are fighting for things that are good for kids. You hear teachers say it all the time. They say, uh, listen, a teacher's work environment is a child's learning environment. So anything that we are fighting for for ourselves in terms of working conditions uh, uh, expectations on the job is actually directly good for your kid. So parents, community members, people on podcasts, brothers, everybody else, chill out because basically they're fighting for our kids. Now, I've seen uh, uh, um, I've seen uh, strikes in Oakland where you're at, Charles. So you've had some experience with them. Definitely had a chance to see some in Philly. I think when I met you, Sharif, there was the threat of a strike. I came in the middle of some big teacher uprising. I'll just put it that way in Philly, 
Ray, I don't know if you have like been in the middle of any of them in any of your like where you're at or whatnot, but we have all at least, you know, from a distance or at least uh, been involved to some extent in seeing how the strikes play out. And I think we've had two sets of eyes, the things we hear in public about what's going on with the strike and then the things that we know behind the scenes are going on with the strike. And those two things always seem to live on two very different planets. Right. So I want to talk about this tonight. Um, uh, Before I bring it to Minneapolis, though, I want to see with you all. Is there anything wrong with the way that I just framed this discussion? Because one of the frames that I'm using is the way that it looks to the public is not the way that it looks behind the scenes. And I want you to challenge me on that if that's the wrong frame for this discussion. It's what I'm living through. But I don't know if that's what you all have seen where you're at. I think people, I don't think you framed it wrong. I think, but given our history and who, and who to show it, who's on the show, I think people are assuming that we're about to just bash teachers unions. I mean, which might happen, but I think that, that's, <laughs> I think, but, but I'll take but that I, off the table. <laughs> but I do think, I, I do think that, and, and luckily we just did this show on Friday. So I got all my notes still. Right. But I think for people out there, listen, I do want to start by saying, and, and, and I won't speak for the rest of the brothers, but there is a separation between actual teachers and the teachers union. And I, and I don't think that everybody always feels fully represented by said union. Um, and, and, I, and just as a foundation of what you said, Chris, they always bring up racism in charter schools and this, that and the third. But every time we talk about uh, unions, we so conveniently leave out their racist beginnings uh, so much to the effect that, uh, you know, that people were writing the Atlantic about it over a hundred years ago about uh, how racist unions were and, and trying to address it. And so um, I don't think you had the wrong setting, but I think it is good to level set with what I just said. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a, you know, always a dialectic, you know what I mean? Like two truths can be, can be held. Yeah. I do think that teacher and educated working conditions are closely linked and often inextricably linked to student learning conditions, right? Like we're all learners. Like if it's asbestos, it's asbestos for all, you know, they're talking mm-hmm. about like all really means all, particularly when there's, you know, uh, dilapidated buildings and rodents and bad air, like that's impacting everyone. And so if, you know, educators are making demands about working conditions that are tied to that, Mm-hmm. then, um, you know, absolutely. Like it, it is directly, right. uh, you know, directly linked and a win there would be a win for all. I don't know. I wouldn't use that for a 100%, you know, uh, piece. So, I mean, your framing, I think is, you know, I would, I would add a little, you know, a pinch of nuance to it. <laughs> uh, a pinch of nuance. <laughs> yeah, a pinch of nuance. Uh, that sounds like a club from back in the day. Where are you going tonight, bro? I'm going to a pinch of neon. Going to a pinch uh, nuance. Yeah. Uh, um, Ray, Ray, Ray don't like that either. <laughs> Go ahead. You didn't disavow. So, what, what you think? No, no how's the framing? So, there's no, no, I, I love the framing, right? Like, I feel like we need to get down to the nitty gritty in terms of like what the psyche is uh, for folks that, that, that strike, um, especially when we think about. Um, when I think about striking from from being on both both sides of the table with with hearing what happens behind doors in terms of negotiations and then what happens, you know, from from the teacher level in terms of you like were how, in the strike before or you mean almost, in Baltimore, in Baltimore almost? City, almost, almost, okay. almost. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious because especially in those in those districts where 
the strike comes first, right? Like we ain't even talk yet. We ain't even have any kind of negotiations. And the first thing that you do is strike. Mm-hmm. I'm from the frame of thought, from the school of thought that like the strike is the last option. That's that's the last option that you put on the table. It's not, right. it's never the first option, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you look at some, you know, you look at Chicago, Chicago striking all the time. It has to be the first option because it's like, are we as humans talking about what's going on in terms of doing what's in the best interest of kids? I feel like if we if the focus is what's in the best interest of kids, then there shouldn't ever be a strike because I don't see how you being out of work, especially in some of these some of these environments that would have kids out taking straight bullets, not being safe in schools would be helpful to kids. That's just me. Mm hmm. Man, well, if you bring we don't strike, I would have been a scab teacher. I'd be like, hey, don't worry about it. Here I come. I'm coming in. But you know, I'm going to come back to this word scab, too. I'm going to come back to this word scab. So let me just put a pin in that that because I want that word. Don't let me forget this. Charles, go ahead, bro. No, I was going to say our first, the first ever energy converters report was covering the Oakland strike, which was the second largest in Oakland's history. The first largest being when I was a when I was a student at Westlake Junior High School, now Westlake Middle School. Uh, and I remember going in school and watching the scab teachers and, and us students, we got booed going in. And I thought that was crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. even then, but even if you read our report, we just go really factual with some of the data that you're going to show now. And I never told my students how to feel about that strike. I let their I let their blogs and their thoughts fly. And then when we told them what might happen and it played out a certain type of way, um, and they saw that they weren't the actual priority. It was it was an it was tactics to get more money and to get more things for teachers. Um, that secondhand or third hand will then benefit students. Um, I think some of our students had a different take on that piece. And and my students, the, the tragedy was many of my students said that was the best teaching they had ever received. And it wasn't about their subject, it was when teachers were going on strike and wanted to build, you know have people in their corner. And they, they said, my teacher never looked at me like that, never talked to me like that, never never engaged me in that same way. And I felt like I was a part of something. And then for it to end the way it ended, you know, let me know that a lot of times this is not about students. Yeah. And you said you were you were a student and, the, and they were booing students who were yeah, still they, going into so basically, So basically teachers would come out and get us. It was like crazy. Like they were like lined up and whatnot. And my mom and dad both worked, right? So she was like, your ass ain't you. I'm not leaving my 13 year old boy uh, at home by himself. Uh, you're going to school uh, so that, you know, I would go to school and uh, getting off the bus, man. It's just, you just heard booze. And like it was it was it was a lot for a middle school age kid to see at that point. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, so but I, I got some I have some questions about, you know, if you if you don't mind taking yourself back there. Right. Yeah. And so, like, you're in the middle of of, of the longest teacher strike in, in Oakland Unified's history, right? Yeah. You did nothing wrong, right? You did right. nothing to, to 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 be brought into this situation that you're brought into. Like, how did you feel as a student for those folks that were your teachers that were outside, like, booing you? Like, how did you feel? Oh, let me tell you, right? So, what then happened was a teacher that I did know... Um, Pulled, pulled us to the side or whatever and just, you know, talked to us, gave us some game about what was happening and the injustices. And I liked this teacher and this teacher talked to me like a man. Right. So I was and he said I didn't have to go to school. So me and my friends would just cut and go to Mosswood Park and play basketball and chase girls and not get in trouble. Like we could show up in the morning, get dropped off and then I would just leave because no learning was happening. And my teacher said it was OK. So if the <laughs> teacher said so I had a cover. And and they said they talked to my mom if it, if it became an issue. So I 
we just did not have a conversation with my mother or father. Uh, and I just went and played basketball every day uh, for <laughs> however many weeks it lasted. That's that's as a student, I never fe- I, I felt like, yo, oh, Mr. So-and-so ain't never talked to me like that before. Oh, I feel like a like a peer, like an equal. Like I'm hey man, fight the power. Get get that evil district. That's yeah. how I felt. You, you know, you know, the front, the front, and I was ho- I was hoping that you were gonna say the total opposite. I was hoping that you mm-hmm. were gonna that square Charles was gonna come out and you were gonna be like, I went to class and and the I teacher did. And, well, I no, did no, 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 I mean a like, bit. yeah, I, I, so it was weeks, bro. It wasn't like a few days, it was like and yeah. I went for the first few, like, I would say the first week, but nothing was happening. Like, nothing. No teaching was, was, no teaching was happening? I mean, no. It was like, watch a movie. Put your head down. Oh, like, there was no, no like, That's nothing not okay. was happening. And then this person that I know and respect, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he was like, you can go do it. All right. Hey, I can leave. Hey, bro, yeah. you say less. I'm about to go play ball with my people. So that, and I, and I, I think Chris, I think that that's the problem. That's the problem that I have with districts that that know that a strike is inevitable, right? Like if you know that a strike is going to happen, then there's certain things that you need to plan in order to make sure that your kids have what they need, right? And so if that means that you know you need to you need to come in with with, with leaders and combine classes to make sure instruction instruction is still occurring, because at the end of the day, just because you know teachers are on strike, that doesn't mean that learning shouldn't happen for students. And so I look weary. It, 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 I always look down upon districts that don't have a plan because it's not like you don't know that it's happening. I mean, that that's a good jumping off point for Minneapolis. So right now, Minneapolis public school teachers are on strike as day nine. So tomorrow um, will be the ninth day. Uh, Minneapolis public school students aren't going to school tomorrow because their teachers are striking and have walked out on them. Minneapolis public schools is um, is a capital of bad student achievement, period. It is a rich, wealthy district in some ways, meaning it's a city that doesn't have the type of poverty that other cities has, has poverty, but it's not like other places. And they've got schools with all these kind of resources and they don't even know it in comparison. Not you, you all know how much I travel. I go so many places that would love to have Minneapolis's resources of what they've got going on in their schools. And yet um, they find a way they find a way to always shortchange kids of color and keep the achievement gap like thing real. But let, let me just set the tone for you. What's being said nationally and what's being said locally about the teacher strike is that they are, um, they are striking for the schools that our kids deserve. And to them, that means they want better paid teachers, smaller class sizes, more nurses and more staff members for their union, basically. Uh, and without that, they can't possibly do anything other than strike now because it's just immoral to not have that. And they, they must strike right now. Right. Um, the problem is here, here. Here's where you start getting into a problem. The kids were already very behind because of the pandemic, no matter what we're, you know, it's not like we haven't just had two, two plus years of kind of a, a, a catastrophe in terms of the type of instruction that kids are getting. It was already bad before the pandemic started. So before the pandemic started, we had a nation leading gap in achievement for our African-American and, uh, and students of color in Minneapolis. It was a nation leading gap. 
right? We're getting our clock cleaned by states that are very poor and have lots of other stuff going on. That was before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit and all the stuff that happens when you have the flu and then you go to pneumonia just got even worse. So the bad achievement, the terrible literacy program, the terrible kind of um, mathematics uh, outcomes, all the stuff that you would normally be watching they couldn't have found a way to, to do that even worse than they were doing. Uh, and, and, and then the pandemic hit and now we're even further behind. So here's one thing I would say right away. Teachers like to always talk about how we don't treat them like doctors and treat them like others. But doctors have this oath called first do no harm, right? No matter what you do, don't harm the patient in the course of doing whatever it is you have to do. So if you have salary disputes with your employer, Shouldn't you be saying, listen, our students, the schools our students deserve, we don't need the schools our students deserve. We need the teachers that our students deserve. And our teachers that the teachers that our students deserve are ones that don't walk out when they're already desperately in need and critical learning time. They need every moment that they could possibly be getting right now in terms of learning time. Uh, um, and the teachers have walked out on them. Now, what's happening is very predictable. And you all, you know, I'm sh I'll show you a few things. You tell me if this is the way it's been when you've seen other Wait, places. Wait, before you, before you, before you show us a couple of things, leave leave the screen on, Chris. I just got some clarifying questions. Well, I'm not, what? I'm not done yet, though. Let me, let okay. me just say another point. Go ahead. The the public is not going to challenge anything I just said with the teachers at all because they suck it up like Kool Aid. So all the narrative that I just put out there, we're fighting for the schools our kids deserve, uh, we're underpaid and overworked, um, we're such, you know, kind of like martyrs in what we do and all that. Public's not at all critical about it. They don't even, they don't even challenge it whatsoever. They all put up a whole bunch of things on their Facebook kind of things. I stand with educators or whatnot, completely uncritical about it. The majority of teachers in Minneapolis don't live in Minneapolis. They drive in from the suburbs every day. The majority are white women in a school district that is a majority of color of kids who aren't on track to live in the suburbs or be middle class or be college educated like these teachers that are walking out on them right now. So get your mind around a mostly suburban white woman teaching force who drives in every day to get a paycheck walking out on students who desperately need learning time so that they can stay on track to one day maybe live in the goddamn suburbs, right? That's what we've got going on. And who does the public and the media and everybody else side with? Not the kids. They side with the white women walking out on them, right? And 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 so ask me the clarifying question and I can just show you kind of a brutally honest kind of uh, I, I think, mathematic I think you, project. Yeah, I think you I think you answered my clarifying question by uh, by explaining to the audience the makeup of the teachers um and then the majority white majority suburban majority women um majority <laughs> let me just say this majority white women living in the suburbs who are taking their paycheck home to districts where their kids learning is not being interrupted because their neighbors wouldn't put up with the crap that they're doing to the urban kids their neighbors wouldn't put up with teachers just walking out on their kids and interrupting their learning time that's only stuff you can do to the negroes in the city when you have a negro job Right. So let me be brutally honest right now and say, here's the bottom line. Everything that they're talking about, the district is on the verge of bankruptcy right now. They have a like 70 to 100 million dollar deficit that they've got to figure out how they're going to how they're going to cover. They're going to cover most of it by putting their one time federal money to, to cover some of it. And the they're COVID still going to be in the hole. 
COVID this funds, the COVID? and they're still okay. going to be in the, on. They're still going to be in the hole. The teachers' union is trying to get them to add money to their bottom line that they don't have, and it will cause them in a year from now or two years from now to close schools. That's just the and everybody acknowledges that the thing that the teachers are asking. Now look at this math. This yeah. is the difference. I want you to start with the context that they are within. They they are almost a hundred million dollars in the deficit hole in, in in the hole. The proposal that the district is proposing is a total of twenty one or twenty two million dollars for the first year and twenty three million for the second year. That's what the district is proposing, and they can't afford that. What the teachers are proposing is $80 million. It will cost $80 million to give them what they want for the first year and $178 million for the second year. That's what the teachers are out striking, demanding that the district isn't giving them, right? I'm not getting my pony. The public doesn't know that what the teachers are asking for is basically to bankrupt the district. And the reason that they're doing it is because they believe if they put the district on the hook for it and the district goes broke, that the state will step in and pay the difference. And the state is sending them signals like, you tripping. You are tripping. There is no way in hell <laughs> that you're going to put the district, you're going to bankrupt the district and expect that the state is going to come in. But that's what's being negotiated. But it's happened. But it's happened. And the public, it, and, and the public doesn't know it. It's not going to happen in Minnesota, though. That's I'm just the whole thing. There's precedence you know, of it happening, though, is what I'm saying. Like, there is precedence. That's why they do this this type of national stuff. They look to Chicago and they looked other places. They 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 didn't checked in with other places in Minnesota, and we have a surplus right now. They're basically saying, uh, if we bankrupt the district on purpose and we use the kids as, as human shields, the state will cover it, no problem. The last thing I'm going to show you before I move on, just two quick things. This is the average teacher sal salary in Minneapolis is $71,000, right? That's the average salary, teaching salary in, min in Minneapolis is $71,000, right? The district wanted a proposal to protect the black teachers, which are only like two or 3% of the district teachers. And the teachers union is out telling the public that they're fighting for teachers of color. But when the district wanted a district wide protection from seniority, order firings and layoffs, which are about to happen and going to happen. The white district looked them in, or the white teachers union looked them in the face and said, yeah, well, when we said we wanted to protect teachers of color. We didn't mean that. We didn't mean literally protecting teachers of color from the layoffs that are about to happen. And those are your lowest paid teachers. Those are the ones who actually are not making the 71,000. It's your white teachers that are making the 71,000 because they have all this seniority, which by the way, $71,000 is not a poverty wage, right? So the last thing I want to say, all this underpaid stuff or whatnot, the last thing, this is the type of stuff teachers union does. Students came and did a sit-in mm -hmm. at the district, which is in the blacker part of town, the less white part of town. It's the first time some of these students ever seen that part of town, right? Students sit in, it makes the newspaper, they blah, 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 blah. If I zoomed in on this picture, there ain't a black student to be had on here. Yeah. The majority of students in Minneapolis are students of color. The majority of students in this student sit, sit in are uh, children of union members. One of them is the union members pr uh, president, union uh, president's son who helped mm -hmm. organize this. They should be ashamed of themselves using kids like equity human shields to go in another part of town and say, we support our teachers and give them whatever they want. When there's kids a block away from where this student sit-in was happening that are losing uh, um, valuable learning time. So this but, is all I'm going to yeah. say about it.
I, I, was, say, I feel like I said too much, but I, nah, you know, good. I mean, I would just say though, children are ammo, and 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 let's be clear, like that's that's that ain't cool right there. But both sides do it, right? Like I've seen it happen. Like children are always like the emotional ammo. Like I get your point that most of those kids are are, are union kids, but in Oakland, it's not union people's kids, right? It's like those kids feel like they're part of something because the people that. Listen, for the most part, kids love their teachers. And when you show me a different type of like respect and, and all that stuff and like, oh, you, you got a cause and you saying this for me and and I get to be a part of something. I just read about Rosa Parks. I just read about, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. I want to be a part of that. I want to be down with you. And there is how, how many what eight hours a day you have union representatives talking directly to young people with no other side coming in and saying that what you think don't happen. You know what I mean? Like that's like, like I see it happen all the time. That's why I never go in and talk to those kids. Like I never try to change what they think. I just try to present information and let them make their own decision. I got to just accept where a child is going to, you know, but I don't want that energy to get turned towards kids. Right. These are adults and they put kids as part of the strategy for how we're going to take this money from this district. But guess what? You know what union contracts never negotiate about? They never negotiate around student achievement. They never tie their pay to actual achievement. Right. Because somehow that's immoral. But you can say, even though I know we're going to be bankrupt, we can tie it to this. Like they never say we're going to strike because the data shows us that in black and brown schools, we need black and brown educators. If a teacher's union came out and said, we striking until y'all hire 20% more teachers that are black and brown in this place and we not coming back because we're doing these kids a disservice, I got you. I'll be out there with you. You ain't never heard it. You ain't well, never let, heard let, it. Let me add to that uh, just a little bit because in 2005, there was a layoff in Minneapolis and that layoff lost uh, the district 50% of its black teachers. It only had a few black teachers anyways, in terms of percentage, it didn't have a ton of black teachers, but the ones that they had yeah. were deeply needed and they lost 50% of them in the layoffs because of seniority order layoffs. Mm -hmm. When they went to try and get protection for those teachers, the teachers were will willing to negotiate all kinds of other, like they were willing to negotiate uh, more white schools saving their French teacher because that French teacher was very popular. They weren't willing to negotiate things that would have made uh, a black teacher get out of seniority order, get to stay in the school where the kids desperately need them. And guess what? So many of our black teachers ended up in the suburbs, teaching in the suburbs, where most of our white teachers live, by the way. <laughs> I just want to keep add, adding through. that in there. So. And a lot of them go to private schools and charter schools as well. And that, um, that whole I, idea I, of last in, first out, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and you, So P, you have districts around the country saying, oh, yeah, we want to diversify. And so now they're doing this, you know, extra effort to recruit. But then they also have in place last in, first out when, you know, when we got to cut somebody. So, yeah, you did this recruitment and then they're going to get laid off right after that is, you know, like that's a continuation of the problem. And there are a lot of districts that vehemently fight against, you know, uh, ending last in, first out instead of doing it some kind of like, hey, who's most effective, you know, who's in ingratiated in the community who's doing all the things that are, you know back to students you know what's who's and what is going to benefit the students yeah i know ray was trying to get in there go oh, ahead yeah so charles you kind of stole my thought oh my bad brother yeah, good, but, good, um, good, yeah. <laughs> um i i, I look for I, I, so when we think about what we can hold our uh politicians accountable for I think that this is the kind of legislation that I would like to see in terms of like, you know, just this whole push of diversifying the teacher field. 
Um, I feel like that. I feel like there's some things that the federal level can do in order to kind of level set to kind of make those things occur, right? And so there's things that could happen to make teaching a lot more attractive to black and brown folks to want to come in or whatever, because we know what the research says. The research says black and brown teachers have a greater impact for all students, not just black and brown students, right? Mm -hmm. And so thinking about this from 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 the angle of if we have the teaching profession, that's about 80%, 80 to 85% white, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have the students that represent over over 50% of students uh, nationally are, are students of color. It's like, I want that ratio to kind of, I, I want a school's ratio to mimic the population of the school, if that makes sense. So like if we're in a community where it's 100% black and brown students, but then it's 90% of teachers that identify as white, I don't see how that's helping our community. I don't see how like the, the, the money is that that's being made in that community or being poured back into that community and that funnel of, of financial literacy and all the things that we can do in order to kind of help that community build are not there. And so there's some things that we need to do on our end in terms of like folks that are in positions like me that can hire uh, uh, black and brown teachers. I just need them to come through the door. I mean, I'll do it. I'm ready. You know <laughs> I what? Need uh, I, I, I need... To steal your idea, though, and build on it, because when you said our legislators need to get involved or whatnot, first of all, our legislators in Minnesota are all chicken shit. None of them are going to mess with the union. All of where them are coming out. That, where they get their money from. Right. They're you all coming out to the unions, getting on the microphone, saying, I stay with teachers, I stay with teachers. <laughs> you know, and the kids are like, we can't read. We can't read. Right. So listen, this is the law that the I The kids not saying that, Chris. You know why? No, no. Because the kids, the kids, the kids are, are saying, literally saying, saying the those scores don't matter. Those no, no. scores don't matter. You're oppressed. No, I'm just saying. And, and, our and kids are literally saying that they Our kids are literally saying here, different than other places, they don't know why they're not in school they don't know they they're already they're they're behind on assignments like they have assignments that they're behind on like you know like like large numbers of assignments and they know that they're like facing a lot of stress right now academic stress and some of them are trying to go to college next year or the year after or the year after right like so so all these like shiny white kids who can get tutors coming over and doing a sit-in or whatnot in a neighborhood where the other kids are like walking around, one just got shot recently, right? Like, 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 you know, they, they know that they're not in school, right? But, but let me say this, this, you know, we need brave legislators to take strikes off the table. You don't get to walk out on children who are already far behind as a salary raising strategy because you're going to keep using it all the time. Why should there, why should it even, it used to be illegal for teachers to strike. Why yep. should why should teachers be allowed to strike now? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You don't want to teach. You feel like this salary is that bad. I, I agree with you. Get out the job. But you cannot be driving in from the suburbs to other to teach other people's children. And when you don't get something that you don't want, something that would bankrupt the district, the thing that you know you can do is say, I will hurt the children so that you give me what I want. That's like some Batman Joker level stuff right there. I will hurt the children on purpose so that you give me some dollars on my salary schedule and then it all will be good. We have to take it off the table that, listen, there could be a lot of ways for you to negotiate, but there's one of them that you should never be able to have it at your disposal, which is you put kids behind who are already behind. You put them further to behind. Why should that even be legal? I mean, look, people got their right to unions, man. And I think that part right of it to is, union, but not a right to strike necessarily walk well, out without I mean, getting replaced. Part, that's, that's what comes with unions. And I think so. One, I think we have to lay some facts out for people, Chris. And, and, and 
Josh, I've queued up a few things in the messages for for uh, for, for you to post. Um, one is people. Everybody don't understand what unions do. Everybody don't understand what a role of a union is. A union's mm-hmm. job is to protect the entity that is a member of that entity, not anything else, right? So one of my best friends was a, a vice president member. of the NBA, a paying member. Mm-hmm. Was one, mm-hmm. you know, he was a vice president of the NBA's uh, player association. Their job wasn't to look out for fans. It wasn't to look out for ownership. Their job was to look out for players and to negotiate the best they could for players. With teachers unions, I think a lot of people inherently think that their role is to safeguard children because they're teachers. But that's not the role of the teachers union is to get is to safeguard their teachers. So when we started doing the show, remember when Chris used to come on and show these videos of like a teacher being accused of sexual uh, abuse? And then they got the union rep on tape saying, don't say nothing like even if you did it, don't say nothing. That's one. Two. Booker T. Washington did a full breakdown of like the sheer racism of unions. And we'll put that link in there for you to read it for yourself. But read it for yourself. Scroll up a little bit. Just so this this came out. The things that this man is talking about in 1930 something. I can't see it because it's right there. Whatever. 1913 In 1913 is still stuff that's happening today. This was two years before Booker T. Washington died. Like he was still like, yo, my people can't get the things that they need. So I just wanted people to like understand what a what a role of a union is. The union's job ain't to look out for the district. It ain't to look out for your kids. It ain't to make sure that the district don't go bankrupt. Right. They showing up to negotiate. And oh, yeah. And if I asked you, gentlemen, what's the strongest uh, union in the country? What would you say? According to the business. It is the NEA is the number one is the biggest voted the strongest union in the country. So here's the thing. If the NEA wanted to, they could give all these teachers the raises that they want. If the union really cared about these wages and all that stuff, that's why you make some of these funds, right? So we're going to pay our we're going to pay our people when they got a strike and all that stuff, right? So I'm just saying, you should ask. They keep acting like they get And I don't think y'all heard me when I said earlier when they make 71 on average in Minneapolis 71, that's for That's nine, an average. That's an average but and that's for 9 months. And that doesn't include benefits. I like, mean, look. that doesn't include their 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 health, their all the other stuff going on right now. There are schools in Minneapolis where the teachers are like at uh, 85, 90, right, in salary. Right. This yeah. is this isn't your little podunk town somewhere where where all the teachers are making thirty one. Right. Yeah, I actually think if you're a good teacher, you deserve to get paid. Right. I don't even want to get into that muck. Right. Absolutely. But here's the other thing, y'all. You know what else gets negotiated in union rights? The ability to give you assessment on your teaching. Like there, there have right. been agreements that say a principal can't step into their teacher's room in the first three weeks of school. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you're wild. Oh, I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you the origin story of our our union president. Our union president became president because she got mad from an evaluation. She got mad because somebody came and visited her classroom, and she came to the school board and made herself famous by giving this impassioned. My students, my babies, they were traumatized by having traumatized by having some stranger stand in the room to dare to judge my blah 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 now listen the school that she was teaching at i swear i could pull it up for y'all there was an article in the paper that said minneapolis poor students get the worst teachers that was the headline of the damn article and the school where she was working was the worst of all the schools in the district it had a hundred percent of the worst rated teachers in one school and she was one of them today she is the president of the union she's the union president this isn't about 
uplifting the profession. This isn't like the meritocracy of the profession. Because what you just said, Charles, is true. Everybody in Minneapolis would pay it. Good teachers, great teachers, whatever they wanted. We, we pass every, in Minnesota, like we don't have the problem a lot of people have with like passing referendums. People will raise their own taxes to give teachers what they want. But and right they now they're asking, they're, and they should if it's good. But it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all yeah. should look. Y'all should pull up the, the, and take a look at the outcomes, right? It's crazy, y'all. If the outcomes are just terrible, and this isn't a bad salary, like listen, they're taking that money home to their districts, their home districts, so, and their so Chris, suburbs, and they're living good off of that or money. Or their private school or wherever. And when I tell y'all that like black children are the new cotton, this is exactly what I mean. They come in and harvest these kids. They don't have to teach them. They don't have to have any good outcomes. They, they don't have to do anything they don't want to do with the kids. They get the paycheck no matter what. They got the pension that's building up and their own kids are in safe, in safe harbor. Their own kids are in the suburbs at better districts where uh, parents don't put up with the type of stuff that we put up with. Chris, is, so Chris, we know that the black and brown kids are not performing at grade level and can barely read. How are the white kids performing? How are the Asian kids performing? Because that tells the story for me in terms of like what types of schools people have, what kind of parent involvement may be present, and then what kind of barriers schools may be having in terms of allowing families to be engaged. So like, what's that breakdown like? I, got I feel like, I feel, I feel like, it's like Oakland is like Philly is like where you're at. Like I would tell you that story and you would shake your head and be like, yeah, I've seen that before because there's an Island of a few white schools that, that, that both did both employees of the district. When they do go to Minneapolis public schools, there's a handful of schools that they want to go to just a couple. And they use their staffing privilege to be able to get their kids into the better schools. And there's only a handful where white parents, if they don't get into these, handful of schools they leave the district they go they go somewhere else they either move to the suburbs or they go to private or they do something else they find a way to to go across district lines we have open enrollment here too so there's like you know gifted and talented programs just across the border that have been set up specifically for white families that want to get out of minneapolis right so, so that's what we got border. going on I, I mean i got a scientific answer for you too right i mean i'm doing it's in my research right like one when y'all are looking at this Look at the city demographics and then look at district demographics. So there are a lot of cities like there's one mid major city in the Midwest. I won't say its name, but they have um, a 40 percent white like population. And then when you go to that school district, it's 15 percent white and all 15 percent, all those white kids in the district are 100 percent broke. They're 100 percent like free or reduced lunch. It is a sheer fact that the vast majority of districts that that um, that strike on a regular basis tend to serve a majority brown uh, body of students. It does I not happen that. in places with majority white or students very often. Or red right. states. Right. It, does, it doesn't happen in that way very, very often. So, you know, so you have to ask yourself this question, right? Like if people love public schools so much in the district and all this stuff, and these white people are tend to be the ones that are super liberal, super telling you this, that, and the third, unionized, blah, blah, blah then why are they not putting their own kids in that, right? But they'll yell at black parents when they operate, when they exercise their level of choice. So this is just facts. This is not even me with like opinions. Yeah. I've, mm. I've shown y'all the data, right? Where it's like, how are you a 40% white city with kids that, 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 are, that, that, are, that, that fit that bill, but only 15% of those kids go to those schools and all of them get free and reduced lunch. So you got to start asking these questions, man. Like, 
I, I think we should stop depending on people like Sharif does an amazing job. A bunch of black people doing amazing jobs getting teachers and, and principals and all that stuff higher, man. I think we should start saying that the union should be leading the charge to get more black and brown educators. They are the union. Well, teachers, well, teachers, teachers' interest and the interest of teaching kids is their business. So I think we should put more pressure on the unions, not just the district. Nah, let's do it on the unions. If they want to start certifying teachers, if they but you know what, you know what, you said it earlier, Charles. Though I'm going to say this is a kind of hot take, and Sharif, you jump in here, but no, you said earlier that a union's job is to protect members, and as Sharif said, dues pay members. But I'm going to be very good, very honest with you. I don't think that they specialize in good teachers. No, I think actually they specialize in bad teachers. So even if you you're t you telling them to go find the type of black folks and people of color that we should have in our schools makes me feel like mm, that's kind of like telling McDonald's they should go out and get us health food. Like what, it, what, it, I'm, what I'm saying you know, is what Sharif El Mekki and his elk are doing <laughs> and his ilk are doing right. The teachers union could put together in, mo in in a few days because they got the biggest bag out of everybody. The NEA is the most powerful union in the, in the union, right? Like if they wanted to actually start a center that was saying we will attract and have more black and brown teachers in schools that's germane to them, they could actually do it. They actually have more power than a district to do it because they are a freestanding body. They are not they're they're not they're not held together by charter, by law. They're not held together by uh, mandates of the state of the city. They can actually do that if they wanted to. So I appreciate David uh, to the union's Goliaths trying to fix an issue that they can solve if they chose to. But they won't, because if you go to that Booker T. Washington piece, unions were not built to protect your black ass. It wasn't built to protect your brown ass. It was built to protect white people and to not actually just protect their jobs. But in the beginning was to keep black and brown people out of those jobs. That's hey, this the origin of seniority. Everything that you everything that you just said is one hundred percent true, but I'm gonna disavow anyway because I work no, with white. You're not gonna disavow. You're not gonna, so, disavow. Yeah. You're not gonna disavow. You're not gonna do that. <laughs> and so, and so but, but but to your point though, Charles, man, if you look at like the the, the largest strikes for the last couple of years, you look at the Arizona statewide strike, uh, which I think more Phoenix when I think Arizona because they're now tilting blue. Then you think about LA Unified 2019, you think about Oakland 2019, you think about Colorado statewide, which makes me think about Denver, mm -hmm. which, which leans blue. And then you think about Chicago public schools every other fucking month striking. They're all blue-leaning, uh, uh, progressively Democrat cities and states, mm -hmm. right? And so that shit don't happen in red states. And there's a reason why it doesn't happen in West States because these white folks are not going to allow you to do that. Well, what you just said though, well, Arizona, I mean, Arizona's red. Arizona, right? Arizona's not red. Arizona leans blue. They were tossing right to work too, and they got a whole lot of. Uh, I, I think a part of like that has to be a part of this conversation as well is good faith by district leaders and politicians and policymakers, right? Like often, I think, and and I. I'm agreeing with a whole lot of what you all are saying. Mm -hmm. And if we, do we think for a second, if it was 80% men in the teaching profession, that they would even have to strike? If it was 80% white men in this profession, would they even have to strike? I think so. I think so. I think so. I think so. I think the whole arc of, of, I think the whole arc of teaching and the teaching wars and all that kind of stuff, I think it would be colored very, very differently. And I'm not saying like I'm pro strike. Like, and it's usually when it's, we're talking about strike, I'm reading about it because right. I was in a, 
I think the last strike in Philly was in the maybe 1980. So like I, you know, usually I'm I'm reading about it and I'm super far away from it. Um, and you know, for me, it's more of a like a historical, you know, uh, yeah. connection. The the curiosity of like why you know why this why that that kind of thing. Um, but I also but I do know I do know that that school that I'm always talking about Nithamusasa. One of the reasons. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that they wanted to create this independent black school was because in the 70s, folks, teachers were going on strike left and right. It seemed like every other year. And they were like, no, our children are not going to be subjected to your whims about whatever. And so they said, you know what, we're going to create our, our own school. That was one of the reasons. Besides, And also just the... the I just see, I just see striking as such a, a nuclear option. Like, you can't keep... It is a nuclear nu- option. But it's you can't keep nuking the same right? spot like over and over again. Well, and, and Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about just specific... Uh, I'm talking about just this other piece. No, I agree with you. Black, I agree the black with you. experience I... about it. Um, <laughs> but when I also think about strikes, I think about Brownsville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, you know, like, you know, that is a huge part of like what happens when people do go on strike and then communities rally around children and say, you know what, this learning is going to come. Oh, absolutely. I, right? I, don't, like, I, wasn't like, I what would happen if we, if that happens now in Minneapolis, right? I, and like, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was more so agreeing with Ray's, with Ray's initial point around that can't, you can't just go straight to the nuclear option. Yeah, I'm like, not, yeah, I'm trying. just, I'm no, just no, adding I agree with other you. parts I, of the things that, that we're talking I, about. I, I agree these, with you. Yeah, these aren't like, like pro or, or con. I'm just saying like adding this. And the other piece that I, I think about a whole lot um, is CTAs, you know, uh, those color teachers association, you know, there's a few, several of those. There's a few, Fridays there should be more. And talking about that and like, you know what, like some of this is when do we give, you know, up the power that we often do because we're just like, oh, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And then lastly, and I have not, and this is, I've not investigated this. I do want to spend time, um, you know, looking into this. But a lot of you know that I, I came into teaching on my way to law school and, and pivoted through a or through an organization, nonprofit, concern, talking about like standing and leaning on shoulders, concerned black men, Cheney University, and uh, the school district of Philadelphia, they were recruiting black men to, uh, I don't know what that is. We're recruiting <laughs> black men. Uh, Cap, I think that's Cap. <laughs> <laughs> he got issues. Recruiting black men to teach in the school district of Philadelphia. It didn't, let, like, it didn't continue. Now, what I was told by multiple independent people was that the union went to court and stopped it because you're doing a program that benefits black men. Now, mind you, there's only a few of us in, in the district. Now, I still, I want to find time to research it and find out if that was true. If the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers went to court to get an injunction against this program that was recruited, because y'all earlier were talking about like, oh, this whole recruitment thing. And, and I'm just wondering like how many districts aren't doing it, you know, because of things like that, you know, so I don't know, but that is something that I was told multiple times. Listen, the teachers union is very serious about seniority. Charles alluded to this earlier, but seniority has its origins in grandfathering. And if people, oh, yeah. if people should look up what grandfathering means, what Absolutely. the stereotype of grandfathering means. Seniority was something that was negotiated when the equal uh, and employment rights laws were going into place nationally, the unions demanded that their white workers be protected from uh, from the new laws. 
the new laws that were going to make equal uh, equal opportunity uh, employment the law of the land. And seniority was the safeguard to make sure what white workers kept their roles and their positions and their advanced uh, uh, position. And grandfathering comes out of the same thing. Grandfathering was if your grandfather could vote, then you could vote. And that was a way mm -hmm. to keep black voters from voting because their mm -hmm. grandfathers had been in slavery. They couldn't vote. So this is embedded in the teacher's uh, DNA. Uh, and, and we don't talk it. We're not no, honest teacher about these things. DNA. The teacher, teacher union DNA, DNA teacher yeah, union DNA, but the teacher, yeah. listen, listen, I mean, <laughs> y'all can keep trying to divide those things if you want to, but there's not a, there's not a single teacher in Minneapolis right now that isn't out there like, like pumping their fists for more money. And, and like, listen, uh, um, you just mentioned something, Sharif. I want to knock this myth out out the way. If it was all white men, would we be? Would they even be needing they to strike? Blah 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 blah. Yes, they would. Mm -hmm. We pay police officers the same crappy wage that we pay teachers. Teachers and police officers should be married to each other because they got I very similar that. things. Exactly. Police officers make significantly more, bro. Significantly more. The average teacher, the average police officer pay is the same as the average teacher. Bro, you can start being a police officer in Oakland at six figures, damn near. You can start in Oakland doing that. You can't start in doing that in three suburbs away from Oakland doing that. Or maybe you can in California. I know in Minnesota, you Minnesota, you got one game in town. And if you don't get hired in that thing, you're in a podunk. And in podunks aren't getting paid like what big cities are paying their police officers. That the average police officer salary is fifty four thousand dollars. That's the average police, national average of police officers. And they're not looking for the best and the brightest. And this is without, right? this is without it's, OT? This is without any of that stuff? Well, I mean, like, listen, they, teachers they teachers OT. have other ways. Teachers have other ways to beef up their salary because teachers get work nine months. Yeah. Right? So police officers and teachers, you know, work so in, in fields we, that we, we, we society doesn't months. value either. Society doesn't value either. Let's just be real. I, I, but I, I, I thought either, the, really the example I thought you were going to use, like Appalachia is a good example, though, right? Like my coal miners, right? Like so living in Kentucky, you hear about all that. I mean, the white folks was dying. Like so what the unions were doing there was actually really important. They were trying to save lives. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I when I was in college, I went to a California liberal arts. I went to Cal State Hayward. I, I led a walkout. So when I graduated with my poli sci degree, there was an internship waiting for me with unions, like to learn how to be like a union guy. They will send you to places across the world, right? Where coffee, coffee growers and stuff, where stuff is happening. Like, let's be very real, right? Unions are needed in a lot of places. They were slaughtering people over coffee beans. Like, I'm, you know, California, you got Cesar Chavez and the Black Panther Party working together. But the difference in how they unionized and did that work, and it was just Chavez that, that, was, union, that was building the unions, that they had people at the heart of what they were doing. They had, like, it was different. You know what I'm saying? I think this stuff is not in the same vein as that stuff. And I think that we have to, like, I think that's why we got to separate it. I don't think unions inherently are bad. I think there are some unions and some needs for it. I think that the teachers union calls foul every time <laughs> there's a phantom touch. And I think that they automatically go to the nuclear option that hurts kids. I think it's really that simple. And people thought that that shit was untouchable, but they thought the police union was untouchable too until two years ago. So there is an opening. And I think that opening can happen now. And people need to say, yo, our babies come first. What is the entity that's going to come up that has union like stuff where it is teachers, but it's also parents and it's students because parents and students don't have an official union. But what if they had a co-op of that and you started with do no harm to children? Let's educate children first. And then we make sure that, yes, and what that means, a livable wage, what that means, safe conditions. But we are not putting our people out and 
we're doing things right for the community, like saying, yo, these black and brown communities need to see more people that look like them in power. Those things can happen. It's not impossible. But nobody thinks outside the box that way. Yeah. yeah. So and I like the idea of like if it's if it's a collective, right? Like yeah. in the organizing and, and families and students, and not just the way that it's you know orchestrated now, but like you know, buildings that have asbestos in it. Like, what should it? Should we just keep writing letters and saying? Hey, we actually want our kids to to live a, a ripe old age. Hey, we want staff to be able to breathe without having dust up their nose. Hey, like my kid's locker is full of yellow dust every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? At what point, like, should it just, and this is what I mean, like for me, I, I don't think we can have this conversation without also demanding good faith, respectful, humane, you know, um, and I also want to push back on the, on the uh, you know, there's no nine month teachers, bro. There's no such thing as no, a there are. Teacher. There absolutely are. No, no, no. And, yeah, I can give you their names. I can literally <laughs> give you their names. I can literally give you their Facebook and show you where they're at during the summer. So you can look at their Facebook and see where they're at all summer. Wait, but so so I've heard this. Oh, no, all teachers are all working. Level of multiple Listen, they, that's a good one. Three months is a good one. You know, especially if you live in the suburbs and you're like married well. Right. Like that, that actually makes a pretty good life. You know, I'm glad for it, especially with the money coming off the heels of black children. Did you say there are no, there are no nine there. Let's say 10. Are you saying (laughs) there are no, at least say 10, at least say 10. I mean, just (laughs) cut out for a whole, you know what I mean? 22 instructional days. Like, I mean, like we talk about, so we talk about, uh, we we talk about police officers we talk about their ability to make money over time, et cetera. Right, they, man. As many black people they lock up, they got to go to court for each one. They they getting so they getting paid. Every every write up is a so, check. So Reef, I don't know what's happening right now, but like <laughs> that's what's happening. It's it's you hit his button to, with police officers. You hit his button. It's contrary to the yeah, point. Don't get I'm me making. started. Matter of fact, and so, and so that's why I said do miners, do coal miners. But go ahead. <laughs> and so with teachers, man, like, like, listen, we don't talk about this enough, but there's a lucrative profession uh, outside of teaching that teachers have, and it's called tutoring, right? And so we, I've seen instances in which, you know, folks will teach a, a student all day, right? But then that breakthrough learning doesn't happen while you have them from like eight to four or eight to four thirty. That breakthrough learning happens wow, when you're giving them that hourly session by themselves. One on one is is, and stop, I absolutely stop. think that if you could provide that level of instruction to that child in that one hour after school, then you damn well be able to pro- better be able to provide that same level of instruction for that kid if you have them eight hours. Like, that's absolutely insane to me. That money is off the books. Nobody's taxing it. And that's that. As, I know people that are making a, an additional 40 grand from, from those one hour sessions. If they're really helping the kids, good for them. Do people still do people still study game theory? Like, do people still understand the concept of game theory? Like, do we understand that if we pay Aaron Rodgers all this money, that you might lose a Devontae Adams? Like, do we understand that if every single time these people ask for raises, like there's still gonna have to be pensions that gotta be paid, buildings that gotta be upheld, and there's a cap on money? Like, do we do we do we understand how like we understand it? And I think that's underneath this conversation. Is Sharif? I know you wanted to get in there, but when 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 you just said, I just disagree with with Ray. The whole idea of (laughs) one on one because oh, you couldn't do this for first of all. I didn't have a kid for everybody not doing that. I got. I had him for an hour, and yeah, and I would pull students after school because in that classroom of thirty three, you feel the level. Yeah, I I needed to make sure that I gave them that extra support because within thirty three, it wasn't. 
you know, I wasn't, I needed to do something different. And that's what, exactly what I w- want teachers to do. Yo, so this, somebody, all right, well, listen, that, you did, you that comment back well. up where somebody said uh, that and parents should sue the teachers union. Like, what you gonna sue them for? What, Malpractice. Like, what, you, Malpractice. That, that, again, their job is their job. Their job is to get their, their clients the, as much as they can and to use whatever taxes they can and to raise as much money as they can to protect said, said, said people like that's why they bully you into listen when when i started seeing charters get bullied into like unionizing fam like the whole concept of what we this thing was existing for listen man it i don't think teachers are bad i think that people have a, a an inherent misunderstanding of what unions do i don't know what you would sue them for you they actually do their job very 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 well if you understand what the job is they're really good yeah, I mean, we, we've been saying that for years in some ways, but I mean, I don't know what that means. It means that it means of, that if you in know, in terms of public understanding, though, like in terms of public understanding, yes, they're doing their job. Okay, good, we got that. No, part. because then it, what? because then if what? you know, because you know this, Chris, and what you know is that I have to put my kid at the front. There are a lot of you. You would be surprised, yo, at how many people I talk to that think the union's job is to protect kids. Oh no, and I this wouldn't is be surprised Roger, at all. This is where I have to, but this is where so much of my work is. It's like, your kid is not the number one priority. Maybe it's some of these people's priority. Maybe some of them are really good people, but they're number one. Listen, these are entities that will get sued if they do not, if they put anything before the interests of teachers, then you can sue them. Then you have a lawsuit. Like, that's how it works. Well, listen, we got to land somewhere because we had time now. So I want to go around, get your final thoughts, your best thoughts on what we have talked about today. What do you want the public to know and understand about these these theater uh, plays that we see? We see this is big theater. If you are if you are a civilian to this education thing, you are seeing this show up in your newspaper and it's a play. You see all the actors and the words and the rhetoric and all that stuff. And I think you're watching a different movie than you think you're watching when that happens. So I'll like, let's go around. Let's start. Uh, uh, I'm just going to go in the order that we were there. Charles, start with you, because you were on fire just now. So final thought to the public around what they should understand when they see this this movie. So I think y'all should understand what people's roles are. And I think that you should be demanding, uh, as you're supporting these unions and as they ask you for your for, for, for their support, you should ask them to attach uh, student achievement goals in there and not give you the excuse that, well, these kids are in poverty and they can't learn. That's bullshit and it's hogwash. And it's actually racist as fuck. Um, sorry, it, 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 it is. Uh, two, I think that here, here's my hot take on my final thought. I think teachers, I'm, I am okay with a, a specific percentage of teachers being paid as doctors. I am actually okay with that. If you dope and you educating kids, and I think that you should take whatever comes next with that, because you know what else can happen with doctors? They can be sued for malpractice. I think that you should be able to get that type of pay and be able to be sued for educational malpractice and see how much your union stands behind you. Ask me how I know, because every time doctors get sued, that union is like, hey, I hope you have malpractice insurance, because I'm not dealing with that. The other thing is if you, if you want to get paid like a doctor, every mistake you make, every time you fail, You have to come in front of a body of your peers and you have to walk through step by step every single thing that you did. And then you become a learning piece and then they will have a say in what happens to you. So I'm okay with that. I actually think that would be an amazing society. And I think that we would have some really, really smart kids. But if you want to get paid like a rock star, you got to deal with the groupies that come with it, man. And and malpractice is that top one that's going to be knocking at your door. 
deep. Sharif, what, he's, what say you, brother? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just this, you know, and Jamoki put something in that I was, you know, um, I was really thinking about is just the transparency. You, talk, you started the show with, uh, you know, really talking about how there's not the full information that, you know, the public may have that, uh, exactly, public negotiations, like, you know, just more transparency. At the end of the day, there's, you know, uh, taxpayer dollars and what's going on. What are the negotiations? And this is this has actually been brought up when, on this show before as far as, like, what happens at the table and if the public knew mm-hmm. uh, what was being said at the table. You know, that's come up, you know, multiple times in, you know, in the past. But the other thing I just wanted to really uh, end with is talking about this idea of those, uh, you know, the colored teachers associations and you know, like what, you know, what they stood for, um, you know, was just really, really interesting. And part of what they talked about, their number one thing was improving teaching methods. Improving teaching methods was like their number one thing um, because they were connecting all of their work to the student outcomes. And so it just, I think, I think so much of that uh, gets lost in, um, you know, in all of the negotiations. And it's usually kind of the, some of the same things, uh, but you don't often hear about, you know, actual things. L- listen, some places in Philadelphia, many schools are still using um, Lucy Calkins to teach kids how to read. That's mm-hmm. crazy. They still th- they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And and then like, oh, they'll be- they'll Say be who fine. that is for the lay people, brother. Oh, uh, Lucy Calkins is, is basically how not to teach your kids how to read. <laughs> That's great explanation. It's how not to teach kids how to read. That is what they are using in some of these schools, right? And like to me, like that's you know that's a demand. Like that teachers should be aware of, and and many of them don't even know. They think like, oh no, this is actually this is good. This is okay. Yeah, I know the kids not learning, but the parent that's the parents' fault. The parent ain't been reading to them at um at a lot of money for that program, Reed. Yeah, well, Philly Philly gave her a lot of money too. You know, listen. Yeah, that's what I mean. That, that, that's, yeah. that's probably why that's we good. listen. We we never used the reading. Thank God. Uh, mm-hmm. We used the writing, though. We did use the writing um, at Shoemaker. Yeah. All right. So and my... on to you, Ray Q. All right. Cool. Ray Q. So first and first and foremost, Reef made a statement that I want to disavow from. He said something about uh, getting into law school or going to law school. I think that's cap. Oh, that's that's easy. That's easy to verify, bro. You could you could just you know send me the email. Go spend the, spend the time in doing that. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. So uh, I, I think that strikes wouldn't occur if we put students first, right? So like if we uh, talk about educators having like a Hippocratic oath in order to do no harm for kids, there's no way that we can be striking if we're trying to not do harm for kids. Uh, I think that negotiations should be open to the public, right? So like all those conversations that are have, happening uh, behind closed doors should be open to the public so the public can hear that these teachers don't give a shit about your kids. They only care about their kids. They only care about their communities. They only care about their salaries, right? Uh, I would be astonished to hear uh, some closed-door conversations that were like pro-Minneapolis students because they're not happening. Um, I feel like I would love to see, I mean, this is a pipe dream. I would love to see some kind of collaboration between the unions and school districts in terms of like, diversifying uh the teaching profession um I, I i would love to see that happen um i think so much pressure is put on districts in order to create uh this diverse utopia for teachers to want to come for for uh, people of color who teach to want to come to those districts however 
if there was some uh, union support behind that, I think it would have more traction and would have more bite. Lastly, oh no, second last. Um, I, I think accountability needs to be in any teacher contract. So if I'm paying you more money, then I should be able to expect more accountability in terms of like how students are going to perform. Um, I think that we need to stop sitting on our hands in terms of like demanding this level of accountability for teachers. Uh, if you if we're gonna pay you more money then and not get anything from it we're getting the same results then the people that are bargaining that contract aren't bargaining it the, the, the correct way and lastly um I'm just grateful to be here I started with a bad attitude now my arms are no longer crossed and thank you guys for putting up with my initial attitude. Glad we, we weren't putting up therapy with it. online. Yeah, we yeah. weren't putting up with it. We were in we Slack talking about what's wrong with this nigga. He didn't get his yoga this week, you know. Um, well, here's uh, my final word on it. And we right don't now hate we are, teachers. You know, Go so. ahead, Chris. I just want to say that before Chris goes, we do not hate teachers. Do not no. uh, and misinterpret no. what Chris Stewart is about to say. Don't as put a words in my mouth. Healthy hate for Chris. You better say that for yourself. Don't put words. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I don't hate me. I do not hate teachers. I do not hate anybody. This is what I expect. I expect public accountability, period. We have 8 million Black children. We say it on this show all the time. That's our focus. Our focus is that's 8 million stories that are about to go wrong. That's 8 million stories walking to classrooms every day. Very expensive classrooms. Like each one of those, do the math. You go ahead and count up the head count in each one of those classrooms and then find out what that classroom is worth and then ask yourself if the price for that classroom is worth the outcomes that are coming out of that in terms of human misery, in terms of the ability for people to leave 12th grade capable of doing something in the American mainstream that helps them to be successful. And why do they have these professionals who are lording over their childhood years and not helping them reach their highest potential is something we should all think about. I think every city needs action teams from the public who get involved in the contracting process, who see it as their business. Every time it's, it comes to be contract time, we have a small group of probably 15 to 35 people that work as a steering group for the community to understand the contract and understand what's being talked about and to be in those meetings. I will tell you, that it should be a long-term commitment because maybe 10 years ago, I started something called the Contract for Student Achievement. And it was an action team of young folks or, or of people just in general who started going to the negotiations for the first time they had ever seen anybody come to them. They, had, they weren't even used to people coming to see what was being talked about. And the things that were said in those rooms made people's jaws fall down, right? Like we were like, we can't believe this is just how y'all talk about our kids straight up. What happened over time is the union adapted and started running their own kind of public mediation sessions and meetings so the public could see and bringing their own approved public members, members of the public. So when I say action teams, they have to be independent, 100% independent of the district and the union. Don't be stocking it with a bunch of union people or others to get that, the, the result out of it that you want. Second thing that I will say is that teacher unions are a powerful force when they organize for good. So they should be organizing to get asbestos-free buildings and for achievement to go up and for superintendents to get fired who don't understand education. I am with them on that. I will put mm -hmm. on their t-shirt and march and walk with them down any street on that if they are fighting for the goods for our kids. The sad reality is the majority of the time they are fighting for financial um, packages 
that districts just can't afford. And then they're lying to the public. So I cannot stand lying to the public. I cannot stand it. You are supposed to be educating the public. That's what public education is. If you are miseducating public, the public, about the ins and outs of one of the most major contracts that the taxpayers are on the hook for, you are uh, ruining your own profession at that point and breaking the trust with the community that you're supposed to have. Last thing, you got to take strikes off the table. You have to, especially in at-risk districts where students happen. are already years and years and behind. I, you know, a lot of things are never going to happen. There are right. a lot of things never going to happen. Freedom from slavery is never going to happen. Emancipation is never going to happen. Voting rights is never going to happen. But you keep fighting for it because you know that voting is important. And you keep fighting for your students not to have educators who walk out on them as a way to get money put on their salary schedule, right? That's the type of stuff you do with kids when you're, you're the Batman, you're Joker in the Batman. You say, I will hurt kids, so you will give me what I want. And that's something we have to take off the table legally. And then, no, it's not going to happen right away. But it is something that we should, we should start holding them to. No, Ray said it early in this show. What's your plan for, for how our kids are going to learn while you walk out then? Because right now what's happening in Minneapolis is they're having them crowd together in these little hubs where no learning is taking place. And any teacher that goes to try and help them, they're calling scabs and they're blowing them up on social media. So even you're hurting the kids and even the teachers that want to go and help them, you're actually trying to ruin them on social media just for wanting to help. Can't happen anymore. This has been... Another episode of the Eight Black Hands. It has been protected by the red, the black, and the green Everybody. with the key. Anyways, you know, <laughs> we, you know. we not say the last part of it anymore because it's 2022. Is that what it is? If you, know, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. Anyways, we will be back next week where Sharif El Meki will be the host of the show. We appreciate you as always sticking with us for an hour or more each week to talk about the education of our kids. We need you in the fight. Form the Maxon teams. Get out there and fight for the right stuff.